One piece of advice, I would say have a plan for yourself because the company or organization that you're working for has a plan for you and they have hired you because you fit a particular criteria and you're plugging a hole in, in, in a gap, you're plugging a gap um, in, in the organizational company. And so they're very clear on what they want from you. I think you have to be very clear on what you want from them and you have to have at least a vague idea of what you want to do next um, in, in your next role. Start looking at the job descriptions for the role that you want next and try and start integrating that experience into the role that you have now. Welcome to Shasha Voices, the podcast that inspires, educates, empowers, and enables community building. I'm your host, Savannah Olo, and today we're joined by Siniso Valempini, founder and managing director of Vele Africa Advisory, an Africa-focused strategic advisory firm. She is a renowned strategist who has advised corporates, development finance institutions, and family offices throughout the investment lifecycle. Today's episode is dedicated to harnessing Africa's human capital early. We explore avenues of this topic with expert Simiso to understand the opportunities and challenges of tapping into Africa's vast potential. Today, Simiso will be sharing her insights on soft skills for Africa, her career journey, and we might get some insight on what she's about, how she grew up and the things that she did as she came along. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Welcome to Shasha Voices. Thank you so much for having me. Usually on the podcast, we start off with an icebreaker. And our question mm-hmm. of this week would be, what is one thing that you're currently learning or working on that you find exciting? I'm learning Spanish, um, which I'm very excited about. I went to Mexico for the first time last year and I absolutely loved it. The people, the culture, the art, the history, um, the food, obviously. And I came back inspired to learn the language. And that's what I've been up to. Great. You know, it's crazy how um, everybody's trying to like learn a new language, sort of just evolve the spaces that they're in. Um, Personally, I've been trying to learn French for the longest time. And um, I'm not I've not been that successful. I mean, I know a few things here, a few naughty words here and there, but <laughs> it's it's all part of the process. But I'd really like to like get myself integrated with culture because I feel like when I was in um college, I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily integrate with the spaces that were there. Um, there's a lot of um sort of seclusion in terms of how right. we interacted with the communities out, out in Mauritius, but. Yeah, at, at some point when I grow up. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure you're gonna enjoy it. And uh, I guess the beauty, you know, right now is so much is available online and there's so many ways to consume and, and be exposed to culture. So um hopefully you can do that virtually as well as in person. I know, but I'm a very um hands-on type of person. It, it's hard for mm-hmm. me to sort of just get um the knowledge or the understanding or like a deep understanding of something once I do it online. But being mm-hmm. physically there, like that's why I really enjoyed my first in-person classes. Just being yeah. physically there just gives you a whole different experience. It's like reading a book. You can't yes. you really can't enjoy it on your laptop or your tablet. Like you have to actually hold <laughs> the papers, turn them, and you know, really just get into it, you know. <laughs> There's definitely something about that that tactile effect and the the sensory experience, I think, of of holding a book in your hands and And definitely in terms of learning, whether it's in a classroom or you happen to be in a country where uh, the main language is French, that 
that definitely makes it makes it and it brings the language life yeah it does it does so um today we're going to be talking more about harnessing africa's human capital early and you know you have experience in international relations um and investing you have um experience sort of just being like a career advisor so i guess the first question of the day would be Given your experience, what opportunities do you think exist for African countries to effectively tap into the human capital? Um, and a caveat to that would be what needs to be done right? Or um, what will that reality look like in the context of Africa? Well, I think I think firstly, starting off, I think, um, you know, a lot of energy and resources have been put in place um, to provide primary education, which I think is, is really the building blocks of of any you know, viable nation. Um, so many countries have made incredible strides in this regard. I think oftentimes though, you know, certain things are lacking, whether it's in terms of physical resources such as books or supplies. Um, but you know, the teachers are the real heroes in the story because they they make magic happen from, from very little. Uh, from a policy perspective, I think you know, a lot of the policies are in place. I think the challenge that a lot of um, African governments face, but not it's not an, an exclusively African problem, is how to educate and train um, young people for uh, a viable future. And and what you know what does that look like? And you know we we talk oftentimes about how in ten or fifteen years they are going to be jobs that we haven't even thought of at this point in time. And the question is how do you um, how do you create a, a curriculum that uh, can you know, capacitate young people to really take advantage of the opportunities. And, uh, you know, I think there's so much that, that, that we've gotten right. And I think, you know, the challenge is to, to, to push ourselves as Africans and to challenge ourselves and policymakers and educators to um, adopt novel ways of uh, delivering information, um, helping students understand concepts. And I think what's ultimately essential is, education is, is a big part of education is not just the knowledge and the facts but being able to critically think and being able to practically apply the the things that you've learned in, in different contexts five minutes in and there are already a few gems i can pick out of that <laughs> response mm-hmm. that you just put out so maybe for context what exactly do you do and um, what has your career journey been like so far um, so I, I work with a range of clients that are doing business in Africa, um, and I support them throughout the investment life cycle. And um, this is done through the vehicle of my company and, uh, you know, great members of my team. And really, it's to support them in the endeavors uh, in, in Africa, both from a, from a financial, but also from an impact perspective. And this typically involves um, when they right at the beginning thinking about investing in a particular company or country sector, um, helping them understand the lay of the land um, through market entry advisory, political risk analysis. Um, when they're considering acquiring a local company or partnering with it, um, conducting some pre-transactional due diligence, helping them know who their stakeholders are and how to engage with them in a meaningful way. And also occasionally when crises occur, we help them um, navigate through those crises. And in terms of my professional trajectory or, um, you know, my career to date, it's it's really been a winding road uh, that's largely been 
um, inspired by me gravitating towards things that I'm interested in and um, putting in the work <laughs> to to get to get you know good at them and um, remaining curious and I think remaining open to to learning new things and and being exposed to to different people in different contexts. What impact do you think investment in education in Africa would have on the continent economic development and how can we encourage more investment in this area? Um, well, I think it's a, a difficult question. Uh, maybe starting with, with the last question first, I think in thinking about encouraging investment into the sector, the question is really who benefits from a well-educated population and ultimately it's typically the countries themselves. So I think a lot of that investment needs to come obviously from the government itself, um, but also extent that it makes sense um, private companies as well particularly when they're looking to equip and to train uh, local talent in um, in niche or very technical areas um, I've forgotten the first question <laughs> um, the first half of your question so if you could remind me of that oh absolutely what impact do you think investment in, in education in Africa would have on the continent's economic development I think it's hard to talk about economic growth without talking about jobs and it's hard to talk about jobs without talking about um, industries or companies or, or entities that um, that produce uh, goods or services and so the question is you know looking you know I, I guess going a couple of steps back and looking to see what kind of economic growth plan do do various countries have um, what have they put in place to to support that growth and to encourage that growth Obviously, one aspect of that is, is, you know, creating a conducive environment for businesses to thrive, both local and international. Yeah. But another part of that, particularly where um, governments are looking to ensure that the local population is hired, um, that also has to do with uh, ensuring that the local population is educated, obviously, beyond the simple things of, of, of literacy, but really in ensuring that they're able to make a a meaningful contribution in, in, in whatever role they perform uh, as opposed to being a drag on on the companies or organizations they work on work with yeah um maybe you can expand a bit more what other factors do you think would um, sort of impact that investment or influence um or how do i say this maybe how do you think we can move the needle a bit more um coming back to encouraging more investment in the education um sector in africa how do you think we can move the needle a bit more to make it a bit more realistic and more um, attractive to be a part of this um, sort of journey in sort of developing Africa? I think there are a couple of really interesting models that have been adopted. Uh, one of uh, one that comes to mind is Kuro in South Africa, um, which essentially has created a whole range of private uh private schools and have, I mean, they've done a, a fantastic job in terms of, you know, their return on investment in terms of the financial sense, but also of a human capital sense. Um, and they have a really strong uh, track record in terms of providing education, um, uh, obviously outside of outside of the, the public sector or government funded education. I, uh, you know, as, as with a lot of, a lot of, countries in, in, in the developing uh, world, 
there are a couple of things that parents will will spend money on. Education is Definitely. is key. Yeah. Uh, food and, and healthcare is is up there as well. So I, I think in terms of investors looking at education in Africa, you have a captive audience already. Um, a lot of parents understand the importance of education and how um, a good foundation can really provide that springboard for their for their children. I think the question is providing uh, a solution in terms of an educational solution that meets uh, what the market requires at a price point that makes sense. So it really then comes down to how are you um, how are you structuring your solution and um, does it resonate with with what the local market needs? Right, right. And speaking of solutions, in your journey, when did you recognize that soft skills were a crucial part of a successful career? And what ways did those skills manifest themselves? Well, um, I, I I don't think there was a particular uh, aha moment, uh, so to speak. <laughs> it it definitely was, um, I, I think just, I, I think, you know, I, I obviously grew up, grew up in Zimbabwe and, um, uh, I think just by virtue of the way society is structured, uh, there's there's a primacy on um, on not not so much the individual, but the community and the society within which you live, mm-hmm. and the fact that you are you are part of a whole, and um, there's there's a certain way that you interact with and you engage with others, and their financial status is just a way of of moving through the world and. Um, I think those 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 lessons and that approach applies, uh, you know, within a home setting, within a school setting, within a professional setting, and um, and and really just looking to you know treat people as you'd like to be treated and treat people with respect and um, look to actually get to know the person and engage in a meaningful way, look to bridge a connect, you know, form a connection, um, maintain a relationship. Uh, yeah, that that's brilliant. Um, listening to your um, sort of just brief snippet, like you've just given us a sneak peek of where you grew up and how you grew up. Um, I, I can mm-hmm. see a few similarities between um, you and Farai's story. Um, obviously, Farai mm-hmm. went into depth around um, how he had to drop out of school at some point, I think at the age of 12 and sort of just build himself up alongside helping support the family, get as much as they need, especially during the um, depression. Uh, so speaking of Farai, of course, you've been working with the Shasha Network for quite mm-hmm. some time now. In fact, you're one of, you're one of the um, advisory board team members. So what major values have you seen um, at play during your time as chairperson of the board at Shasha that inspire you the most? I would say enthusiasm seem quite good, but, um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, I've known Brian for a couple of years. And when I first met him, I think it was in 2019 or so, and he spoke to me about, uh, you know, what he wanted to do in the education space. I was definitely in- instantly inspired. And I basically said to him, okay, what do you need from me? Just in a very practical, what do you need? And um, it, and, and it was great because, you know, um, helped support him early on. It's been such a joy to see what he's what he's built in, in Shasha. So I'd, I'd definitely say that enthusiasm, that passion, um, determination, uh, as, well as, uh, as well as a willingness to, and, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but a willingness to kind of push the needle mm-hmm. and to to dream big and to swing for the fences. 
um, while still remembering why the team is doing what they're doing, yeah. um, which is to, you know, support and, and essentially, you know, support young people in, in their professional endeavors or career endeavors, but also I think to give a, to give learners, young people, a strong sense of self um, will allow them to bring out their best skills and qualities, irrespective of what environment they find themselves in. Yeah, yeah. So as chairperson, and it might be, it might be uh, a daring question. I might, I might, I might add. As chairperson, mm. if there's anything mm. you would change about the Shasha Network and how it runs and the things that they're trying to develop, what would it be? Maybe you can tell me two things. <laughs> well, I mean, I have I have fortnightly uh, meetings with with Farai, and, right. and we talk about all these things um, all all the time, and I think they, the, you know, the, the things change according to where the organization is. Right. Yeah. At the moment, I um, oh gosh, I think what what would change? I mean, I I feel very strongly about making sure that people in an organization are taken care of and supported and that they have, um, you know, that they're in an, in, a, in an enabling environment, essentially. So um, some of the things that I'm, I'm speaking to Farai about um, at, at this moment is kind of looking at the different functions of the organization and how they're likely to evolve over the next couple of years and putting in place systems and processes to support the evolution of the functions, but also the evolution of the people who are in those positions at the moment. So that's that's currently what, uh, one of the things that, that we're busy with. Okay, um, so this obviously um, segues into um, talking about career, um, the challenges and advice that you might have. So you have a wealth of experience um, mm -hmm. and what challenges um you've you you sort of just acknowledge and sort of establish in your space or throughout your career how have those um challenges in a sense catalyzed your success and how did you overcome them um gosh i you know again different challenges at, at different different stages yeah. um i think in in some ways i was lucky earlier on uh when when i was sort of 15 16 preparing for o-level exams and uh, my best friend and i at the time my, my mom and her mom thought we were just playing and we were not serious at all and we were not going to do well yeah. and um we obviously were determined to prove them wrong and you know sort of over the holiday period before exams we you know we went from eight in the morning until it closed at four, right? And listening and studying and making notes. And um yeah, we we both we both did well. But you know, I, I'd probably say that was that was a really important period because it taught me obviously um the importance of putting in putting in the work and discipline, but also over and above that, it also taught me how I learn. And I think that's that's incredibly important for for people, whether they're pursuing an academic career or uh, something that's a bit more hands on. Is figuring out how do you learn, how do you absorb information, how do you process it, how do you retain it, how do you how do you use that? And I think the you can almost hack yourself 
yeah. and and learn how you work and how you think and then structure your life accordingly I think that that really puts you in a good position for for success so I'd say that that was probably in in teenage years I'd say um, and then in my sort of early 20s, I, I was studying at the University of Pretoria. I was um, uh, studying two, two degrees simultaneously, and I had um, two part-time jobs at the same time, and I still found time to, to party and have a really great university experience. But, um, you know, at, at the time, you know, my you know, some of my my friends, you know, had like, oh my gosh, five exams. And I'm like, yeah, I have 10 plus. You know, that, for example, that period taught me time management and um and and really structuring my time in in a way that would allow me to do all of the things that I that I wanted to do. So so that was really that was really formative. And then I'd probably say in my early 30s, it was also it, it was you know different kinds of lessons uh one of the main ones being learning how to manage upwards um because I think there's you know we talk a lot about you know bosses managing subordinates but I think there's also an element of um subordinates managing managers yeah. and really as you know seeing how does your how does your boss work how do they find you know do they prefer email updates do they want to you know to hear from you in person and adjusting your style of working and delivery to to suit them so that you can get you know you can get on with your job but also you can results in in a way that's recognized and and meaningful to your last point about managing up I think it's a term that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm started listening I've, I've started hearing recently and it's mm-hmm. quite a fascinating phenomenon obviously I have to do my research on it a bit deeper and sort of just see how that works but I mm-hmm. feel for the most part I don't think a lot of people acknowledge what it takes to sort of manage up and obviously you've given us a few pointers on how to navigate that or um, a few examples on how to navigate that but I think it's interesting how um, for you with every decade, there's a new era or there's a new season in your life on how you learn more about yourself and how you evolve and how you sort of get mm-hmm. to that level of self-awareness that your hierarchy of needs, um, the, maybe like the bottom they already sorted out and going up, it's just more of just an awakening in a sense, either personally, um, career-wise and in the spaces that you're in. And it's it's really it's really insightful to see um it's 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 rare to see how people sort of just grow in certain spaces a lot of people just talk about the length of experience that they've had um with their careers or how the academic um journeys were but it's 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 really interesting to see how you've sort of just evolved two degrees ma'am that's that's (laughs) that's a lot at the same time as well as two part-time jobs I I don't think I'd have been able to handle that, to be honest. But it's it's, it's amazing to hear that there's someone out there who can do something like that. Well, I, again, I think different different things at, at different times. Yeah. Um, I'm also the type of person who, when I'm working on one thing, I get incredibly bored and very low energy. Like yeah. I, it it actually it it just drains me. So I I function a lot better when I'm dealing with a couple of things at the same time and 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 also something that I learned earlier on but to that point where you know that's what I did with my you know the example you used is is what I did in in undergrad where I was um on two degrees and and working part-time and um but then at the same time after I I graduated and I was working full-time while also trying to do a master's just too much 
And I had to say, okay, well, if I'm going to go on and pursue a master, I have to do it full time, you know, for myself. That's, that's what's going to work um, rather than trying to trying to push against the grain in a sense in that instance. So it, it, it definitely changes. And I'd also add, I think, you know, you touched on self-awareness. I think what's really helped me on my journey, the friends that I have and the people around me, yeah. I'm incredibly fortunate to have uh, just an amazing circle of people who I know truly are the best for me, but also who challenge me um, and hold space for me and just also provide that, um, that mirror as I need it. And it, it all comes from a place of love. So it's it's always accept, accepted with with love, you know, whatever, whatever they tell whatever they tell me at different points. And uh and and being able to talk through different things and patients at different points in, in my life has has supported my ability to be self-aware, as as have my parents as well. So unfortunately we have to come to a close of this conversation but i do have one more question for you so for everyone listening today what piece of advice would you give to someone just starting out in their career particularly in the industries we've been discussing today maybe one piece of advice one piece of advice i would say have a plan for yourself because the company or organization that you're working for has a plan for you and they have hired you because you fit a particular criteria and you're plugging a hole in, in, in a gap, you're plugging a gap um, in, in the organizational company. And so they're very clear on what they want from you. I think you have to be very clear on what you want from them. And you have to have at least a vague idea of what you want to do next um, in, in your next role. Start looking at the job descriptions for the role that you want next and try and start incorporating that experience into the role that you have now and um you know proactively approach your your line manager and include certain things your um in your objectives for the year so that you have a sense of accomplishment but also that your sense of accomplishment around those objectives puts you in a very solid position for the job that you want to go for go for next does that make sense yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like I've been talking to my big sister. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time out and, and being with us today. Um, we look forward to hosting you again in the future and probably have um, conversations around other things. Maybe we can even dive deeper um, on self-awareness as well. So yeah, I just want to appreciate you for taking the time out. It's my pleasure. Thank you for uh, for such a great a great time. I I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to to coming back. And obviously, you know, wish you continued success with the podcast. I I look forward to listening to upcoming uh, sessions and episodes. That's all we have time for today on Trash of Voices. We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with Simiso. We explored opportunities for African countries to effectively tap into their human capital by investing in education and how soft skills are crucial for a successful career. Simiso shared her wealth of experience and provided valuable advice for anyone starting out their career as well. We also want to include a huge shout out to eStudio.tv for providing the lovely space to record at this very much needed podcast. For all your content and media needs, do come through to the studio in Upperville on the road to China. And finally, 
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or a Google Podcast, to never miss an episode. Join us again next week for another episode of Shasha Voices. And in the meantime, keep spreading the word and sharing the knowledge with your friends and colleagues. Together we can make a difference. This is your host, Savannah, signing off.